Support for this podcast comes from Frito-Lay in the 2023 Snack Bracket Championship. The Frito-Lay Snacker Challenge is underway, and fans are voting on their favorite snacks to crown champion. We're talking about primetime matchups between the best 64 snacks in the land. Will Ruffles Ridges reign supreme? Can Doritos defend their dynasty? Or will Smart Food use their smarts for a surprise upset? Only you can decide. Get in on all the action for a chance to win up to $1,000 or a year's worth of snacks. Let your snacks be heard. Just go to Frito-LaySnackIt.SBNation.com to vote and enter for a chance to win. No purchase necessary. Sweepstakes ends April 3rd, 2023. Void but prohibited. Years worth of snacks awarded in the form of 52 coupons, each good for one bag of chips. See official rules at Frito-LaySnackIt.SBNation.com. Welcome back to Japers Rink Radio. I'm your host, Greg Young, and uh, we have an emergency episode uh, that is not so emergency because there are two other Caps podcasts that beat us uh, to <laughs> this emergency theme. But I do. I am joined by Samantha Powell, which is very exciting. And uh, yeah, Samantha, it's been, uh, I think, a couple of months since we've uh, last chatted, but it's uh, good to have you back on. Yeah, it's definitely been good to be back on. Thanks for having me. Of course, of course, of course. So uh, we have, um, obviously, uh, the big news is that the Washington Capitals have hired Peter Laviolette. But I think before we go into that, I kind of want to talk about they're playing the bubble and really they're really their play over the last like five or six months I would say it's kind of just been pretty bled and to me it kind of led to this decision so is that kind of where you're at Samantha that like this wasn't just the bubble but that this was like kind of the way they had been playing really before the pause that kind of led them in this direction Yeah, I think when you kind of break it down and look at it, I think that's the perfect way to describe it. It's like towards, you could even say really like the back half of the season, you know, since really Christmas and that kind of break, the Capitals really weren't themselves, right? They were kind of, I would say like treading water. I think John Carlson said they were just kind of, you know, putting band-aids on their mistakes and just like praying and kind of hoping for the best there. Um, They were just, you know, making a lot of comeback wins that were obviously very entertaining, very fun for fans to watch and see. But those capital should not have been in those comeback situations to begin with in a lot of those games right they should have just outright won a lot of them they kind of let things slip so just looking at it from that perspective I think you could kind of tell just in that last part of the season that you know this is a group that maybe isn't as motivated as they should be their play is falling off they have so much talent they're so loaded with all this offensive firepower they should be firing on all cylinders and they really just looked flat and then you know, you have this pause, you have people saying that, okay, you know, maybe this could help an experienced veteran group like the Capitals because, you know, maybe it's an energy thing, right? Maybe they just kind of ran out of gas. Now they have all these months to kind of recharge, refresh. You know, you get guys back who maybe weren't 100% healthy during the season, aka Michael Kempney, you know, back into shape. And 
maybe you start thinking that, okay, the bubble situation could be perfect for a team like the Capitals. Then enter round robin. Um, (laughs) (laughs) Things did not go well in this round robin for the Capitals. And then again, you could kind of play it off as, oh, well, it's round robin, right? They don't matter. The games don't matter. Um, It's only for seeding and who really cares, right? They won, you know, the game against Boston that mattered. And, you know, that way they're not going to play a really, really hot Carolina team. So then people start thinking, okay, maybe the Capitals have shown up. And then you enter the Islanders and everyone's (laughs) hot, kind of what happened there. So I I really do think that you can go all the way back to probably the back half of the season and just think, okay, we kind of saw the spiral coming. We saw the mistakes not getting cleaned up. And then where does, you know, but then it's where do you put blame, right? Is it players? Is it coaches? Is it a mix in between? Is it injuries? Is it, you know, what else is there? And I really think it's everything. I think the Capitals made the correct call and kind of, firing Todd Reardon as quickly as they did, even though maybe it could have come as a surprise to some. But I do think it was smart to kind of move on from that and say, okay, you want to get rid of this, um, I guess, kind of, you know, chapter of the Capitals as quickly as we can and move on to the next thing. And, you know, I think McClellan, he said, you know, he wanted to take his time. He wanted to really work through the process and see which coach worked best. And while, you know, September 15th it is now might seem I guess for me, maybe a little bit early, I think it's right on time. Like, I think the Capitals really need this. And now we have no clue when next season is going to start, but they can kind of start building uh, from here on out. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. So, I mean, Peter Laviolette, uh, I think it was Tarek Elbashir on the podcast literally yesterday, was talking (laughs) about how Laviolette seems to make a lot of sense in that McClellan obviously said that he wanted a veteran coach. He wanted maybe more of a disciplinarian kind of maybe, although I think you can kind of debate that either way. But Mm -hmm. I don't know, like just kind of initial thoughts on the Laviolette hire. Yeah, I think it's a really smart hire. I think it's a really good fit for the Capitals, you know, kind of. LaViolette's thing is kind of getting the early success out of teams really early in his tenure and then, you know, maybe falling off in those later years. But just looking at what the Capitals did, they signed him to a three-year deal, the perfect championship window, right? It's what everyone's been talking about. (laughs) These Capitals have to get things done in probably the next year or two. So, you know, the contract term makes sense. Uh, You know, the amount of money that Pierre Lebrun kind of reported it out, I think it's north of $4 million a year. Mm -hmm. That makes sense. All that works. And so, I really do think for the Capitals that this will be kind of the perfect marriage, at least initially. Now, how are players going to really react to him in the room? What is he really like? Is he, you know, kind of that same mentality that he had early in his career? I think everyone remembers, obviously, the 24-7 video. That's probably like the most (laughs) most famous. (laughs) But like, is that really him right now? I, I actually don't think so. You know, I think he's really grown. Um, when probably he is known as more of like a motivator for guys. I think, you know, some people probably describe him as motivational speaker first and also a coach. Um, So that's probably what the Capitals are getting there. But just overall looking at the guys in the room, I think they're going to really respect him. They're going to have to listen. He's going to definitely make sure that they listen. And I think it's going to translate to the ice. Yeah. And it's, I mean, it's interesting because, I mean, Peter Laviolette has been a head coach, uh, for I think since I was in middle school, <laughs> uh, he has been. I, 2003 was his first year, and he is uh, obviously he's gotten fired a few times, but he has been a NHL head coach for a very long time. And yes. so I don't know. It, it's kind of interesting when the Caps said that they wanted a veteran head coach. They uh, 
really got got a better <laughs> head coach, although he's only 55, which is kind of interesting. So yeah. yeah. And I think like the crazy part there too is this is the first time the Cap- in franchise history that the Capitals have hired a coach who has won a Stanley Cup. Yeah. Which, you know, makes sense. Like if you really think about it, you know, Ovechkin's had seven head coaches and all of them except for Barry Trotz have been rookies. But just to think that this is the first guy that's going to step into the room with already a ring on his finger, I think is pretty interesting and just says a lot about what the Capitals wanted. Yeah. So I, I think a lot of this, let's talk about the the giant elephant in the room that uh, I get to ask this and then I never get to ask this question again. I'm really excited about that. But uh, <laughs> it seems like there was uh, a lot of talk about two other candidates uh, <laughs> that the Capitals were really actively considering. Uh, those, of course, being Gerard Gallant and Mike Babcock. And mm-hmm. so... At least to you, how close do you think the Caps were to signing either one of them? And uh, what does it kind of mean that they went with LaViolette instead of those two? Yeah, I think just overall, I think a lot of people really saw this as a two-horse race between LaViolette and um, Mike Babcock. I think Gallant was kind of on the outside looking in just a little bit, just because I think the Capitals really kind of honed in on the exact coaching fit, the kind of attitude that they wanted and Babcock and Laviolette basically fit that to a T. I think Gallant is obviously a really great coach, really experienced. Obviously what he did in Vegas um, won't be forgotten, but I really do think that's really not the direction the Caps were looking for. In terms of Babcock, I mean, we could talk for probably a whole nother hour about (laughs) reasons why Capitals fans would not want Mike. Babcock um, yes. <laughs> as the head coach and probably another hour about why he is actually a really good coach with a really good record and just based on hockey alone. So I think there's so many factors into that, but it's our understanding that, you know, if Mike Babcock was hired by the Capitals, that management felt like they could justify it. They felt comfortable that he's kind of moved on from Toronto and, you know, all kind of the baggage that he would bring with him to Washington. And, you know, management really felt like, they could hire him, justify it, all would be fine. But at the end of the day, they really felt like they preferred LaViolette and they preferred his coaching style and fit. So I think that's like a main key thing that, you know, maybe Cavs fans need to understand is that the Capitals did really feel comfortable with what Babcock would bring to Washington. And they felt like they could kind of put that all behind them and his kind of baggage and past. But overall, just looking at the two coaches next to each other, LaViolette was the one that they really thought they should go for. So, so you don't think that this came down to, well, these are just two head coaches and uh, that one has a lot of controversy, the other yeah. doesn't. And so let's go to the one with, with less one. The, that doesn't sound like that's how that decision process worked. Yeah, to my understanding, it very much seemed like that was kind of buried thing in the past. We'll move on. We will know how to handle that situation when asked situation. You know, it was we really like the coaching style of Laviolette, what he brings, what he thinks that you know, he can bring his vision to the team and we'll move on from there. So yeah, that's at least my understanding of this. Okay. Interesting. Um, do you think, I mean, there was so much focus on those three candidates and increasingly just those two. Do you think that there was anyone else that the Caps considered uh, for this position? Yeah. You know, I had heard that they did talk to Bruce Boudreau, uh, which I think is expected yes. um, just to have a conversation at least, you know, I think it's, I don't think it was ever really, really serious um, (laughs) with Boudreaux. But, you know, again, he's obviously a veteran coach. He has experience. He has all the things that McClellan, you know, talked about early on in that press conference after they fired Todd Rudin. Um, But, yeah, I would say his name is probably the only other name that 
I think they were even remotely serious about. And then probably a whole list of others, maybe longtime assistant coaches, but sure. they never really fit the boxes that McClellan wanted to tick. No, that makes sense. That makes sense. Um, do we have any idea kind of on how the assistant head coaches are going to work? I know that uh, Peter Laviolette has, I think it was McCartney was the guy's mm-hmm. name or whatever. Uh, they, mm-hmm. He has a longtime assistant. Do we kind of know what they're thinking in terms of their assistant head coaches? Yeah, so I actually asked Laviolette today in the presser if McCarthy was going to come along with him to D.C., um, just asking. And he basically, you know, gave him really high praise for a good amount of time uh, talking about how well, you know, he works with players and, you know, how talented he is as a coach and then basically ended it with a, but, you know, as I said before, we're going to talk to, you know, the current staff, current coaches and really figure out what their kind of thoughts and opinions are about this team if I want them on staff. And so I think overall, we really have no clue, to be honest. He said he really doesn't have an agenda coming in. He's going to hear everyone out. He's going to see what's best for his staff and then move forward. Now, there's probably a combination of McClellan and him maybe talking some things out um, about who they want to keep on the bench. And, you know, is it going to be the current guys? Is it going to bring multiple guys that Laviolette brings in? Could it be someone from Hershey? Who knows? Um, but I think that's definitely something to watch yeah. out for and how fast that comes together. I'm not sure, but you'd have to think that they would want to get that together fairly quickly so they can start, you know, actually meshing and thinking of a plan yeah. for next season. But it, but yeah, it doesn't sound like we're in for a total cleansing though, right? Like that they're going to just fire everyone. Cause I know that sometimes with head coaches, you'll see that and they want absolutely everyone gone, but it doesn't seem like the caps are kind of in that position right now, huh? Yeah, you know, I don't think so. I think just by him saying he wants to talk to the current staff and coaches, it wasn't a direct like, haha, they're gone, like my yeah. guys are all coming in situation, which he very much could have said. Sure. Um, so, you know, I think it'll be really interesting to see what happens to Blaine Forsythe, um, Scott Murray, obviously Reed Cashman's already gone. Yeah. So I think it'll be interesting to see who he feels comfortable with. And, you know, whether he thinks that guys who are already there, like a Blaine Forsythe, who has been there through so much change and head coaches that maybe he can add more to that team um, and, you know, just give him more insight on how this team works. So I think it'll be interesting. Um, but, yeah, I, a clean house seems a little bit excessive, but I wouldn't totally rule it out. <laughs> interesting. OK, cool. So I think kind of transitioning to what the Caps do next Um I think there's a lot of kind of just question about how the UFA market is going to work. Uh, the Capitals, uh, it seems like, are, are very likely to lose Holtby, but, you know, mm-hmm. they uh, are. And if they do, they're looking potentially at some cap space. Uh, what do you think the Laviolette hire means in terms of what they're going to be looking for at the UFA market? Yeah, that's a good question. I really do feel like the blue line has to be their, like, main thing yes. um, <laughs> they try to figure out. I think Brendan Dillon is such a crucial player either way um whether he feels like washington's still a good fit he wants to you know stay with the capitals or if the capitals really ultimately think okay well he was a really good player for us in the short term but we kind of want to move on try something different or if laviolette comes in and says hey i already have a guy in mind that i think would be great like i think there are so many different factors there that we just don't really know about um that could be super interesting but i definitely feel like they're gonna have to go out and fix the blue line I'm not sure what they're going to be doing with, you know, a Michael Kempney or, you know, how much time he's going to get or a Jonas Siegenthaler or a Martin Caravari. Um, So I think that'll be definitely interesting. I'm not sure in terms of the forward market, how much they have to work with um, to begin with. So just because they're always so tied to the cap, 
but especially this year, I'm not sure how much teams were going to be willing to kind of give up uh, in the sense and how sure. much players are worth. Yeah. So that's going to definitely be interesting. But I would say that Laviolette's going to have a pretty solid say in that. <laughs> yeah, no, I mean, that, that that makes sense and kind of as he should. Um, kind of looking at the existing Caps roster, do you think that obviously Laviolette's going to bring, I think, a little more accountability to the room? Or is there a player or two you're going to be curious to see kind of how they adjust to the head coaching change? Yeah, I think 100%. Uh, I'm really curious about Evgeny Kuznetsov. Just, <laughs> you and me both. I, I think everyone is. Yes. Um, but I think it's just because everyone saw how well he did in 2018 and how well he is and how well he can play when he's on his game, right? You saw flashes of it even in the postseason. when He could take over a game in two seconds. His skating obviously is talked about all the time. Kind of his awareness and vision on the ice. And I think it'll be really interesting to see his personality combined with Laviolette's and how they mesh or how they butt heads. And if they butt heads, then how does that translate on the ice? And is that actually a good thing? Right. Um, You know, as we've said before, multiple times, McClellan wanted someone to push buttons. He wanted someone to really, you know, hold players accountable. And I think Kuznetsov needs a coach that can hold him accountable. So you would think that this fits. Um, I think we'll see how it goes. I'm also really curious to see how he does with younger players just because I'm not sure how he is um, kind of with those developments. Obviously, with Nashville, a lot of players have developed under him. You think of Yossi and Forsberg, and, you know, the list goes on and on. So I think it'll be really interesting to see how a Jacob Verana um, would kind of grow under him, even if it is only for a short amount of time, because these could be, you know, some of the more breakout years of Verana. So I think that'll be really interesting. Yeah, and I mean, obviously, Verona is going to be a, I think, UFA next year. So they're going to, that's going to be, I think, kind of interesting to see, too, whether uh, they choose to, like, how, the, how they're going to handle that contract extension. Because you have a lot of fans like me saying that they're that's a deal that they're going to need to get done. But I, I, I still, I think it's still kind of an interesting open question there. Yeah, for Verona, I know next year he's an RFA. So the capital. Oh, you're right. Kind of, yeah. Yeah, they'll have, like, kind of a first crack at it for sure. But, like, I definitely think, yeah, he's got to be on their number one list yes. of priorities uh, next year, you know, obviously aside from Ovechkin. Yeah. But, um, yeah. <laughs> Ideal, I would imagine, I think they'll get that done. I, yeah, you know. Uh, just, like, a, just a gut. <laughs> gut All right, feeling, well, right? uh, yeah, Samantha, this was uh, this was good. I, uh, you know, I think uh, we, we kind of covered everything else. Is there anything that we, uh, that I might have missed about Laviolette or anything kind of interesting that uh, you're excited to kind of learn from him? Um, you know, what? I think that's mostly it. I think, you know, I was talking to Adam Vingan, who obviously was covering the Capitals for a bit now in Nashville, and he had mentioned, you know, kind of sort of a part of Laviolette's style was really evening out the lines in terms of ice time. Um, so it might be interesting to see how he does that with an Alex Ovechkin, Nick Backstrom, you know, will the fourth line, third guy and kind of get maybe two plus more minutes a night and will Alex and Nick maybe get two less just because he wants to run the lines more. Um, you know, that's something he did in Nashville that doesn't necessarily mean he's going to do it in Washington. Um, but maybe that's something to look at, uh, as next season starts is how he's really going to work with this group and what are the little things that he's going to add into their systems and just how they function that he believes will get them to another cup. Yeah. All right. Well, that'll, uh, it'll be interesting to see. All right. Well, uh, Samantha, thank you so much for uh, agreeing to come on on short notice. Uh, Absolutely. <laughs> we, we, we might not be the first breaking news podcast that is going to be hitting the airwaves, but I think we'll be the best. So I'm pretty, pretty excited about that. Uh, where can people find your uh, stuff? 
Uh, so all my stuff is definitely on Twitter at Samantha J. Powell or thewashingtonpost.com. Make sure to like, subscribe, all of that stuff. Um, but yeah, thanks for having me. Of course, of course. And uh, you can find the show. I'm going to do a very short version. Please rate, write, subscribe, review, yada, yada. Please follow me at GregY underscore JR and follow the show at at Radio. And uh, thanks for Samantha Powell for uh, joining us.